welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, I'm Tristan Riddell, and this is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. And with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Buddy, you gave it away! (laughs) Of course I gave it away, because (laughs) I wanted people to know right off the bat what this is, is that... Because they're going to know by the artwork and also from the <laughs> from the well, website. Well, that's true. We got some hot new rebranding courtesy of you going on here. I love it, by the way. Thank you very, very much. So, yes, this is no surprise for the people listening in. And if for some reason you're just listen- listening off the cuff and you didn't actually look on your phone, it's just an auto-populated your, uh, your playlist or something like that, that is correct. We are rebranding. This is episode 47. And we decided to rebrand Punch It instead of being Punch It writing in pop culture. This is now Punch It writing in Star Trek. Now, we got massive response from you guys. We asked, you answered. And it was very gracious of you guys to take the time to write in because we got Facebook messages, we got tweets, we got emails, uh, we got people running up to us on the street. It was great. It was crazy. (laughs) You exaggerate, but... I appreciate everybody who did take the time to respond, share your thoughts. We got some amazing emails saying how you listen to Punch It. You know, we had a lot of people say, oh, I love whatever you do. Uh, You've introduced me to some new things. Oh, I love it when you do this. I love it when you do Star Trek. And this whole process has been really eye-opening for us. It really helped us learn who and what exactly our audience is going for, and therefore the rebranding is going to reflect that a little bit. Now, do we want to talk a little bit about kind of the timeline here? Because when we started, or when we released the episode, we went into this thinking a lot of our listeners are carryovers from To The Journey. They're going to say Star Trek all day, every day. And so we thought, okay, cool. We're, we're totally down for that. That is quite honestly kind of where we thought we wanted to go. And then the responses started flying in. And you guys were saying, nah, keep it open. Keep it open. Do everything. Don't limit your audience. But guys, sometimes having too wide of a net gets you very shallow results. And uh, one thing that we thought about in the process of rebranding, if we were going to do it or not, was if we decide to go more Star Trek, we thought we at least know who our core audience is. And if we want to veer off every now and then, that is totally cool. And so when the keep it open responses started really overwhelming the poll, we just thought, huh. But then, yeah. give it a few days later, it sort of started to reverse. Suddenly the Trek voted started coming in and it got very split. But Trek ultimately tipped the scales just a little bit. And we thought, okay, well, you know what? Let's compromise. We can do a little bit of both. So going forward, we're going to focus a little more on Star Trek. We're going to do more Star Trek stories, more Star Trek rewrites without any shame and thinking, oh, God, we're boring our listeners by doing Star Trek again. No, that's exactly what we're going to do. And you're going to love it. (laughs) However, if you are a fan of the stuff that we do that is not Star Trek, never fear. We are not dumping that. We already said that we're going to keep Gilmore Girls. We've got to finish I'm a completionist. It's just, it's a rule. It's, we've got to 
carry it out to the bitter end, however it goes. But also once a month or even if the vi- like just if it strikes, I think like if something comes along and we're both really into it and we just say, let's do this, let's do this. We are not going to have a problem with that either. And we will go on away missions. That's how we're going to brand it. And so this kind of, I think, balances things out a little bit, but gives us that little umbrella that we were looking for to give us a little bit more of a focused audience, but as well as kind of like a topic umbrella too, you know, I think having too much freedom is not necessarily a good thing. With all of that in mind, uh, it was uh, it was inter- interesting to see what kind of person came in at what time, because when you specifically asked the question on Twitter, you said like, first it was just posed like, hey, you know, listen to the episode, uh, we're thinking about a format change for Punch It. And then you got more specific in on Twitter saying, hey, should we go all Star Trek or keep it the same, keep it open? And people who saw the tweet, saw the Facebook message, they answered immediately saying, oh, keep it open, keep a broader audience. But those people didn't listen to the episode where we explained our reasoning and explained <laughs> our rationale and what we were going to do with it. But then once the episode was released and then some time went by, lots of emails started coming in of people saying, I followed you from To The Journey, or I love Star Trek, so do Star Trek, or just do what makes you happy, or to the line of, well, whenever you do something that I don't know what you're talking about, I skip it, and I just listen to the Star Trek episodes. And so from that perspective... We didn't know what was going to happen when we... Actually, let me rephrase that. We thought everybody was just going to say Star Trek. And so you guys definitely surprised us because it shows that you're digging what we're doing. You're digging that we're talking about non-Star Trek stuff. But to be honest with you guys, we talked about this at length. And this is really what we want to do. We like <laughs> we yes. want to make this a Star Trek show. We want to talk mainly Star Trek. And like Char said, we're going to venture outside of that world every once in a while. Not maybe once a month, maybe less than that. But it's just this is what we want to do. And this is what's going to make us happy. And, and as much as you guys are listening to this and we love our listeners and we love your feedback and we love your interaction, we do this for us and we do this for fun. And <laughs> it's true. We podcast like nobody's listening and we're just thrilled that you all come along for the ride. We do appreciate you very much. But the thing is, is that because we feel that way, because we love you guys, but we do it for us as well, you will get a better show out of us because this is our topic and this is our focus. We truly believe yeah. that. It's our passion. We are both passionate, lifelong fans of Star Trek. We know it well. We enjoy talking about it. I think going forward, this is the best thing we could be doing for our podcast. So please, everybody, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your family, say, hey, two podcasting Star Trek veterans are back on the scene with a Star Trek show, Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. Please help promote us, tweet about us, Facebook about us, Instagram about us, any help that you can give us. Write us a, a review on iTunes. Please. Whatever you can do. Please go to the nerdparty.com, check out all of our back episodes, back catalog. Honestly, podcasts live and die by word of mouth. So please talk about us online as well as offline. So this week, this is episode 47, which is, this was this did not go unnoticed. This is was done <laughs> no. on purpose. Oh yeah, very much so. Even before the rebranding idea. Yeah. 47 is a very distinct number in Star Trek. We knew this was going to be a Star Trek episode. Absolutely. And it's just, 
we thought it was very befitting that this would be our first official punch it writing in star trek episode and if you saw the artwork you saw the episode artwork you saw the tease online this is a rewrite of the infamous episode of threshold that is correct and i cannot express just how incredibly excited I am about this. Now, some people would say, oh, yeah, Threshold, man, that thing. Why, why don't you just rewrite the whole thing? And you don't even keep the title. Just write a new episode. That thing sucked. But we talked at length onto the journey about how much this episode really can be a lot of fun if you just ignore, oh, you know, things like science, <laughs> the way evolution works and whatnot. But if you go along for the ride and some of the more absurd things that happen, it can be entertaining. We're going to give it some love, as we do with our rewrites. We're going to take some of the things that we liked from the original episode and then transform the rest into what we hope will ultimately be a better story. Do you think we have our work cut out for us or not? Like, sometimes these are so easy they're hard, and sometimes they're so hard they're easy. I'm not really sure where Threshold lies on that scale. Well, when we were on to the journey, we uh, whenever we did re rewrites, we would say all the time, we don't do the worst episodes because it's too easy. Like we would just start over and, and start from scratch and then we're not really rewriting anything. We're just yeah, writing a new story. Kind of what I was saying. Yeah. We, yeah. But like you said, like, but with this one, I, I never understood the hate for this one. I mean, okay, let me rephrase that. When I saw this <laughs> yeah. episode, I saw it live and then I saw it a couple, I saw it more than a couple more times when it was on reruns and everything like that. I just thought it was a weird episode. It wasn't until I went online like later in life where I was just like, oh, I had no idea that this was like the most hated episode of all time out of all of Star Trek. But I think this is going to be a lot of fun because I respect the episode for what it is. I respect what it is in the Star Trek fandom and how infamous it is. And it's insane to me that this was the 15th episode of the second season. And this aired <laughs> in the early uh, year of 1996. That's a long time ago. 21 years. It's pretty insane. And so, and for those of you who might not remember the whole plot of Star Trek Voyager Threshold, uh, I'm going to have a little bit of story time yes. for you guys. So here you go. Here's the plot of Star Trek Voyager's Threshold. Voyager's crew discovers a rare, more stable form of dilithium that they postulate could power a warp drive beyond warp 10. This would allow Voyager to reach the Alpha Quadrant nearly instantaneously. Although holodeck simulations prove disastrous, Lieutenant Paris comes up with an idea after an off-the-cuff discussion with Neelix. The next simulation is successful, and a shuttlecraft dubbed the Cochrane is prepared for a full test flight. The doctor identifies a rare medical condition in Lieutenant Paris, indicating a 2% chance that he will suffer lethal effects from the test flight, and recommends assigning Ensign Kim as test pilot. Paris convinces Captain Janeway to allow him to fly the shuttle despite the small risk. Paris successfully breaks the warp 10 barrier with the Cochrane, rapidly disappearing from Voyager sensors. The crew begins to try to track the shuttle, but soon the Cochrane reappears, Paris unconscious at the controls. Once awake, Paris explains that he had seen everything at every point in space, and the shuttle's database similarly contains a massive amount of information about the Delta Quadrant. However, Paris starts to suffer allergic reactions, and he's raised his sickbay, where the doctor determines that Paris is now allergic to common water. Paris's body soon changes again, and no longer can process oxygen, forcing the doctor to create a special environment that Paris can exist in. 
Paris's body continues its strange transformations, the doctor postulating that he is becoming a new form of life. Before the doctor can use an anti-proton treatment to return Paris to his human form, Paris escapes, disrupts Voyager's internal systems, and kidnaps Janeway on the Cochrane. By the time the crew restore the damage Paris had done, the Cochrane had taken off to Warp 10. As Voyager follows the shuttle's trail, eventually coming to a planet covered with swamps, the doctor explains that the mutation patterns in Paris's DNA are consistent with those of evolution. Near the shuttle, they discover two amphibian beings with trace DNA of Paris and Janeway. The two have mated and have had three offspring. The crew recover their transformed crew members to be returned to human by the doctor and leave the offspring behind. So there you go. That's a Star Trek story in a nutshell right there. <laughs> I love it. They find that they have made it. <laughs> it's insane. Okay, so how did you feel about them leaving the offspring behind? <laughs> that, I always thought that was a little bit of a, a, a cop-out. Just an easy way to not deal with uh, that little situation. Right? Um, right? Yeah, like, I mean, this episode really was trying to forget that it happened. And... I'm sure Janeway had to have had some sort of conversation with Chakotay about that after he made that little decision when she finally got, like, when she came to. I, yeah. It, <laughs> it's so strange. What did you think? I I don't know. I, I kind of wanted them to, it, it's weird because to me, it felt very odd because what if those, they have human DNA in them. So what if they become even more sentient or what if they become advanced? And so you determined the evolutionary plot and train of this planet by interfering with it. So I don't, I don't know, maybe because there wasn't yeah. any sentient life on it, they aren't bound by the prime directive, but it just felt a little off kilter for Starfleet. Well, I was just going, I was just thinking of bringing up the prime directive. I mean, yes, maybe it, they can get away with it, but it doesn't seem right. Yeah. It seems odd. And also, I was begging for, the, like, this was in mid-season two, mid-season two, and there were seven seasons of Star Trek Voyager. I was begging them to mention this somewhere in the future where, like, someone talked about, like, maybe someone asks Captain Janeway, have you ever, like, are you, do you ever regret not having kids? And she's like, well. <laughs> <laughs> right? Would that not have been fantastic? I think when Brian Braga submitted the final draft of this script, he forgot about it. All the other writers wanted to forget about it. The actors wanted to forget that it ever happened. And so everybody just kind of went along with it. Like, did, did they know that it was a stinker? Was it the absurdity of it? And, and don't get me wrong. I'm always team lizard babies. Heck yes. Oh, yeah. Hess yes. <laughs> but this episode does pose a lot of problems with no solutions. And so I think now is the point where we talk about what we want to keep and what we want to dump out of this episode well actually i'm gonna disagree with you on that one because you and i normally when we do a rewrite uh we have a blank whiteboard and we don't think about it we don't have any ideas we just come at it fresh but this time we want to be honest with you guys this is episode 47 uh this is the first uh, episode of a rebranded punch it writing in star trek and you and i both had a few ideas of where we could go, what we could change of this episode. And you and I think that it might be the same idea, because I have no idea what you were thinking, and you have no idea what I was thinking. 
Right. We don't discuss this before the show if we do go in with an idea. And it just so happens we both said, I have an idea. Well, episode five of Star Trek Discovery aired last night. Does your idea have anything to do with that? Not specifically episode five, but specifically something with the Discovery. Yes. Okay. Could be the same story. Do you want to share yours first? Okay. Okay. I'll go first. Like basically. Okay. So here's the thing is that this would be, it's 21 years later. We're rewriting it. We can do it in whatever, we can do whatever the hell we want because this is all retrospective. This is all <laughs> hindsight 2020. It is. As the mission log guys say, this is the home game version of writing Star Trek where we get to do whatever we want. Yeah, exactly. And so with that in mind, I would love to alter the whole warp 10 thing because I never, it yes! never set well with me. <laughs> it never set well with me because in all good things, they have Admiral Riker say, go to warp 13. Sure. And I believe even uh, Captain Beverly Picard says that as well. You can write that off as that being an alternate future, but this is kind of changing the rules, right? Yeah, like some people kind of retcon it by saying, oh, well, when they say warp 13, it's really what they mean is warp 9.999999999999, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't like that either. That doesn't work out, no. I mean, I'm not a math genius, but no. And so I want to disregard that where I want to say like in Enterprise where they explore the first warp 5 engine, it wasn't like warp 10 when they when jonathan archer's father conceived of the warp 5 engine it's not like they said okay well one day we'll get to warp 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 but we won't be able to go to 10 that's theoretically impossible it's just another stage of faster than light it's just a times table for faster than light so i want to keep it back to that and with discovery now in discovery there is a thing called a spore drive where it's really just an organic way to talk about quantum entanglement and so what i would love and and obviously the enterprise does not have a spore drive voyager doesn't have a spore drive the defiant doesn't have a spore drive so we know it doesn't work we know there's something wrong with it where it's too dangerous and we don't know what is going to happen with that so for future listeners know that we are recording this in 2017 as star trek discovery is airing we are just on the cusp of finding out what exactly is going to go wrong with the spore drive if you watch the preview for next week's episode. So we don't know a lot of things yet. We could get it completely wrong. But you know what? It's our show. It's our story. We have the creative freedom. And you know what? If a year from now we look back on this episode and completely laugh at our ideas, so be it. That's going to be kind of the fun of it. And that's the thing, though, is that like with the spore drive and quantum entanglement and jumping, they go to any point in the universe where they need to go. That's essentially like that's infinity. That's essentially what warp ten is. Right. Is that, that is infinite. Like, yeah, it's infinity. It's just it's not limited by dilithium. You know, the warp right. scale is limited by dilithium's capability. Let's just drop that thing altogether. Yeah, and so I what I want to do is I want to have threshold, but then we're in the opening scene, like or like we're in the the mess hall scene with Tom and Belana and and Kim, and they're talking like Neelix comes up and what are you talking about? He's like, oh well, we're trying to go like there's this thing called quantum entanglement, and there was this ship uh, in the twenty third century called the Discovery. They were experimenting with a thing called a spore drive, 
where they could access the quantum entanglement, but crazy things happened. Lots of people died. Timelines were ripped open. Parallel universes <laughs> were smashed together. And uh, like uh, the Federation and Starfleet said, never again. We're never going to deal with this again because it's too dangerous. But Tom's like, but I have a theory. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's been thinking about this. Well, maybe maybe not necessarily just him, because honestly, Voyager is home for Paris, but I'm, I'm actually thinking more like Harry. Harry got onto this right oh, away. Okay. This is, I think, okay. his idea, and he just got Tom and Bellana on board because he needs their expertise, where what if they found some sort of spore in the Delta Quadrant that could maybe be a little more stable, could be a little bit better, you know, he's been researching this the whole time, trying to figure out what went wrong, what could they do differently, and stuff like that. And yeah. so now that all that research is going to come to a head where they find something on some planet, some sort of mushroom, <laughs> that <laughs> I, just, I just love the fact that the Discovery does shrooms and goes to anywhere in, in infinite velocity. It's kind of like threshold in and of itself where, like, ooh, that's trippy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway... So they come across something in the Delta Quadrant that just might work. But, of course, the risk is still really elevated and high. And they have had to fight with Captain Janeway just to get the resources to outfit a shuttle. Never mind the ship, but a shuttle. I would love to see that conversation go down where Cam and Balan are on a planet. And they're like, oh, wow, we found this spore. We found this mushroom. We found this thing. Maybe it's a different version of the tardigram or something like that. I don't know. And now let's keep it with the mushrooms. And yeah, let's not get involved with like Ripper and that species yeah. because we know that that is bad news. The ethical stuff is weird. Although maybe we can encounter them a little bit later, but I don't want to use them. I love the way that episode five dealt with that. Let's leave that be. Sounds good to me. Absolutely. And so with that, it's kind of like the whole when they present it to Janeway, she shuts it down hard super hard where it's almost like the omega directive yeah like no absolutely not do you realize why this was shut down and then yeah. Kim can start spouting yes of course i know this and this and the blah, blah 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 but like one miscalculation we're all turned inside out or we wind up in like beyond even the other galaxy or like outside right. the Milky Way and there's no way to come back or we kill everybody there like there's a shock wave or we We're, rip a new yeah. time hole, you know, like We're everything putting like ourselves that. or our own lives at risk. Yeah. And others, you know. Well, the, yeah, that and then the, like, I don't know. Yeah. Time rips and y the universe possibly exploding. I mean, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and of course, Kim, I kind of like the idea of shifting this towards Kim. I do. I, it makes more sense, don't you think? Because with Warp 10, it's all about speed and flight. Yeah, which, okay, Tommy is a speed junkie. We know that he likes to do NASCAR in space. That's totally cool. But this is not what this is about. This is about science and engineering, not piloting skills. And so this is Kim's wheelhouse. This is Bellana's wheelhouse. And uh, Paris is still involved because they have to outfit a shuttle. They need his knowledge of how the shuttle works and... And, you know, how to fly it and everything exactly. like that. Exactly. Well, so. yeah, it, maybe there's maybe it's so unstable they, they need the best damn pilot they could have. That kind of thing. Yeah, I like that yeah. idea. And so, but I like this making a Kim-centric episode and where he really starts to shine. This is pre-astrometrics. So maybe this is where we start to see that Kim is way more interesting and intelligent than just an ensign on the bridge. Totally. And 
much needed character growth. So what convinces Janeway? Like what gets her to say? Because I, I think what happens is they present the material. Janeway says, no, get the hell out of my office. But they continue to do their research and they get enough research to convince Janeway. What convinces Janeway? Well, this might be a very simplistic answer, but science. <laughs> Appeal to her heartstrings. Maybe she shut them down so fast that they couldn't even give her quite all of the information that they had. So, you know, maybe they go out of that first meeting, oh, this she's not even going to listen to us. But then maybe mm -hmm. we see them kind of talk out a way that makes them realize, you know what, we ought to give it one more chance. We can find a way to get her to listen to us because we have like some equation or some sort of formula, some method, something. I don't mm -hmm. know what it is. <laughs> I can't think of it right now. But something that makes it a little more risk appropriate. And yeah. they can appeal, look, all it takes is one successful trip to get us home. You know, we don't have to keep doing this all the time. All it takes is once. Yeah. And so with maybe just a little bit more stability than, say, in the Discovery era where it was incredibly dangerous and whatnot, something is in here that actually makes it worth a try. I like the idea of Kim getting a little big for his britches where he starts challenging Janeway and says, like, listen, this was over a hundred years ago. They don't have the technology that we have. They don't have the methodology. Ooh. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the dilithium. They don't have these new spores. And she's like, yeah, but we've shelved this technology for over a hundred years and no advancements have been made. And that's where he says, well, that's where I come into play. Ooh, oh, I like it. This actually shows two very important facets of Kim all in one is, yes, he's a mad genius. He is incredibly smart and gifted, but he is also that green ensign. And a lot of people would not stand up and keep fighting the way Kim is going to fight. It might come off as a little immature and a little brash, but mm -hmm. he gets Janeway to hear him out. Yeah, yes. I like that idea where like he is just so brash. It's so unlike him that it... I don't want to say impresses her, but it makes her listen. It takes her aback, and she can see how much this means to him. And that's, I think, when she realizes just how much work he's really put into this. So she looks at the reports a little more. She looks through the information. She sees what they have gone through and thinks again. Maybe she goes along in a simulation. She's like, okay, you, you've gained my interest. Now you have my attention. I have an idea. You know how Threshold starts off where they're doing the simulations and, you know, the holodeck blows up and Belana mm -hmm. says, you're dead. Well, maybe Janeway goes on for some of those simulations. They fail several times. It's not looking good. What if she comes up with the idea that makes it work? She does the science. Oh, that's such a good idea. That's such a good idea because it's like Kim can't do it on his own. And so that's why he brings on Belana. But like Belana, Paris, and Kim can't do it. But Janeway is the scientist captain that we know and love. It would be really cool, actually, just to see them all nerding out and bouncing ideas back and forth until they get it right. And then all of a sudden, that last simulation, bam, success. Bright light. They see Earth on the view screen. Oh, my God. And we have that little moment. The music starts to swell. Maybe the theme, the Voyager theme starts to play in the background just a little bit. Oh, Janeway emotional. gets a little misty. You know, like uh -huh. we all get kind of emotional. And because she's so jazzed, because she's a big nerd, she's like, okay, let's try it. 
do you realize what we have just done here? Yes, it was just a simulation, but if the simulation goes just like a test drive, okay, here's the keys, Harry. Do this. So he goes on the real, the real journey now. But she has to say to them and also to the crew, we're breaking protocol. We're going against Starfleet and Federation law. I will take full you know, responsibility for all the consequences of what right. happens. <laughs> yeah, she'll go through the court-martial. It's worth it if it gets them home. Exactly, yes. And that's she even says that. She's like, if it yeah. takes a court-martial to get us home and it won't hurt anybody, then I'm willing to do it and to bite that bullet. And I want them... Like, this might be getting a little crazy and this might be developing more than one episode, but what if this is where the Delta Flyer is built? Hmm... Well, that's pretty interesting. I mean, we're changing a lot of canon, but this would be a really great opportunity to do that. What if it was a kind of precursor, a proto-Delta Flyer, that when we go back, like when we move forward a couple of seasons and we get to that episode where they actually build the real Delta Flyer, they say, hey, do you remember that that shuttle that <laughs> almost killed all of us? <laughs> What if we rebuilt it with these specifications, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, maybe it's 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 a modified shuttle, but it's on its way. It's like a half Delta flyer. Yeah. That sort of thing. And so Tommy Boy gets the inspiration from this episode later on. So maybe it's not a one-to-one. Maybe it's not the Delta Flyer, but it's something that looks like an early version of the Delta Flyer. Yeah, I like it, but it, it's sleeker than an actual shuttlecraft because maybe it needs some... I don't know. It needs some different nacelles or how are we going to make it spin? You know, I like the idea of the nacelles coming out like Voyagers, but like the nacelles come out, but they spin on their own. Like that's how it's a little bit different. Okay. And then that makes the whole shuttle spin since it's a smaller craft. Well, I I was thinking just the nacelles like, so. Oh, 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 okay. I'm seeing this in my head now. Well, that's cool. Yeah. You have a type two shuttle. And it's flying out there. You have the body. You have the two nacelles on the right and left. The two nacelles on the right and left go out a little, like, say, like, two feet or maybe a little bit more out. And they spin horizontally, not vertically, but horizontally, uh, not front to back, but just side to side. So it just looks like Mm -hmm. two uh, turbines. And then they're like, and then it gets all glowy and then pop. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty wicked. I love it. And then you have a Cylon in the background going, jump! Oh, sorry, wrong franchise. Sorry. Chop <laughs> now. Again, wrong show. <laughs> anyway. Wrong show. <laughs> so what goes wrong? What happens in the interim? How do they how do they think they succeed? And then it all goes wrong. Because we can't have them go home. So what's their test site? Where do they go and come back? Oh, but I mean, if it is infinite, why don't they go to Earth? But what if it's not the Earth that we know? What if it's an alternate Earth? If it's, it's not the right Earth? I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. No? I think what we could do is they say like, okay, we cannot test all the way to Earth. That's too far. Let's test mm. a couple of light years away. Or let's test, like maybe they do a few tests or something like that. Okay, I like that. That actually falls in line with what we've seen with Discovery, where it's really hard to navigate, and the further you try to navigate, or the more difficulty you have, the less successful you're going to be. So, okay, couple of light years, do they make it or don't they? I want to say that they make it. Yeah. You know, just sort of like how Tom did his first flight just fine and came back, and then things started 
going crazy. So, yeah, what is going to go wrong here? Yeah, I want to see them do a few where they do a couple light years, then they do 20 light years, then they do 100 light years. And they're starting to think, okay, like, all right, we, we cheated death. We're the, the astronauts. We're the cowboys. We're doing what the Discovery couldn't do. We ripped off the mask of nature and showed the face of God, like that, like that phrase or whatever, you know. <laughs> like they're really gung-ho about themselves. And, I like but it. But then something goes wrong. I want something. We got kind of a tease with the end of episode five. I don't want to – if you haven't seen episode five, I don't really want to spoil too much. So just – Fast forward 30 seconds. I guess just fast forward 30 seconds or just listen. Or we just have watch. to discuss it. We have to discuss it. At the very end of episode five, we see Stamets looking in the mirror with his partner. And then they finish brushing their teeth and then they walk away. But then the camera goes back to the bathroom and Stamets' reflection is still there. Then it walks away on its own. So there was a delay. We have no idea what happened. And so that's all we know for right now. Yeah. Again, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. Just that was just the only real taste we got that something is not right. So are we going to maybe see multiple versions of Harry walking around the ship that are time delayed? What if this was a three-part arc, kind of like an Enterprise, where uh -huh. the first episode was all about the research, the development, and then Janeway saying yes. And then the second episode is about them building the ship and then testing the ship and the third episode is where the crap hits the fan is that too spread out i'm a little cold on that idea just because you could do little montages of them building the ship and all that i think that is spread way too thin i don't think that's very exciting i was looking at it from like a 2017 perspective because i definitely feel like you could spread this out but okay that's fine that's neither here nor there let's consider this acts like it's just one, two, three acts instead I, of one, yeah. two, three episodes. Yeah, since this is Voyager and it was airing in the 90s, <laughs> it was very <laughs> episodic. I mean, I like the way you're thinking, but I think no, in order fine. to make that work, it's got to be intertwined with a bunch of other subplots going on where you go from one thing to the other, and this is not the only thing. But then we're writing a whole bunch of other stuff, and we, we I don't know, we don't need to do that right now. So what about this? So like, I like your idea of Harry encountering multiple versions of himself. Maybe he's the one who spent the most time in the ship doing the tests, even more than Paris. And he's the one who spent the most time around the spores, the mushrooms and everything like that. So what if tons of people encounter tons of different Harrys? And I mean, there's already precedent in the show. There's like multiple Harrys that die all the time anyway. It's uh, true. <laughs> so what if there's this situation like it's kind of reminiscent i cannot remember it's a season one maybe season two episode of the next generation where there's multiple picards or there's two picards or there's oh, like right. there was one with multiple datas and they're in different time zones and they have to end up working together in order to combine the timelines and so what if we did something like that where it was just crazy <laughs> how many harrys there were and they all had yeah. to work together to bring everything in tune so, yeah, this is much better than him evolving or de-evolving or whatever. This is a little more sound. Mm -hmm. I, I do like the idea of potentially ripping off that idea just within this context. That makes some sense. Jumping ahead, though, how are we going to solve this? How are they going to work together and set things right? Hmm. That's, uh... that's the big question my brain th thinks of it and it goes, <laughs> got nothing. By reintroducing the phase inducers and they're <laughs> depolarizing the hull, 
and inverting uh-huh. a quantum torpedo. All of that. Uh, sure. Okay. Okay. So what? Okay. So <laughs> if if it's all built on quantum entanglement, and we might be ripping off parallels because of like, what if there's multiple ships and multiple Harrys and everything like that? Yeah, this could get really complicated. Like, does each person, like, does each version have like a certain signature, and it's got to go to its quote right place? Yeah, or something I don't know. Like that? I think it needs to be simpler and elegant. Do, okay, so how yeah. creepy? How creepy are we allowed to make this? Because what if <laughs> there's tons of Harrys, but they're in and out of phase, and so when they appear, they appear in you see half a Harry in the hull, and Ooh. you see they're dying miserably because parts of them are materializing and phasing through the ship. We've seen this Whoa. a lot in Star Trek. Yes, only this is Harry. So we're watching Harry die multiple times in multiple ways. It's like the ultimate Harry torture episode. <laughs> yes, it's like Harry starts to freak the hell out because he he's seen himself die like six times miserably. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is really getting to him. Like, and maybe you even make that joke in the script or like, I've already come close to death of dying or almost dying so many times on this journey home, and now it's happening 12 times a day, and I can't handle it. So what if there's a couple die, and they don't get to talk to them because they find them dead, they find them phased within the hull, but what if there's one whose head and body is a little bit phased outside of the hull? He's going to die, but he's able to talk to the real Harry and tell him what happened. Like, it says, like, I've been living this hell over and over again. They've been li- reliving a time loop or something like that. And mm. they finally Ooh. say, I've had a lot of time to think about it. And you need to destroy the spore drive or something. Idea. Maybe the further they went out, the more distorted, the more violent the death of that version of Harry. The more <laughs> out of pace it is. So this guy that you're talking about is one where they just did that little jump, that two light year test flight. I like that. Yeah, I and like the that other a lot. guys. They're snowed. They're screwed. There was no. They're hope. screwed. They were obliterated. Their molecules dismantled. And they're or something gone like now. That. Yeah. So. What if, like, we're mixing a lot of different Star Trek episodes, like the one where there was multiple Rikers, like, because <laughs> of a transporter accident. This is the smorgasbord of like yeah. Star Trek fan service. We have Harry dying. We have the sciencing. I mean, <laughs> we got the spore drives. You know, going back uh-huh. to Discovery. So, yeah. what if with this one, maybe there's something about the spore drive where one of the things that Harry got it to work was the problem with the Discovery is that they would turn it off. And with them, Harry says, I'm not turning it off. Once we turn it on, it stays on. And we don't turn it off after the jump. And that's what allows us to jump further with more accuracy. And then this Harry that dies says, you have to turn it off. You have to destroy it and never use it again. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's a nice, simple explanation. Um, and then the moment it goes off, it will stop because it'll be disconnected from this, from the infinite parallel or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, something like that. And then... And then stop screwing with infinity, Harry. <laughs> and they somehow they... When Harry, like earlier in the episode, when Harry presented it to Janeway and said, we're not going to turn it off and we're going to use this instead... Janeway finds an article written by Dr. Stamets saying this is the exact reason why we turned it off <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Well, I like the maybe, idea. Maybe not know. that obvious, you know, because they would have done their research, you know. Yeah. So Harry has to give up. It's extremely painful. He has to turn it off. 
all of his hard work is for naught. He feels like a failure. And then we have to have that nice coda at the end with Janeway in the mess hall where he, he's a little down on his luck. And she says, but you got further than a lot of people ever would have even thought to go. Right. And it almost worked. But spore drives just are not stable. They're probably just not meant for humans to use them. Not right now. And then maybe that's when he says, thank you for putting your faith in me. I won't let you down again. But I have been thinking about another type of propulsion or something like that. And then Bellana comes in and says, what about slipstream or so, or like what about transwarp or something like that? No, that's way too soon. I think too you soon? wait a couple of years and they go into the office or her or they go into her ready room again and propose slipstream. She's like, guys, you remember <laughs> what happened a couple of years ago and you proposed something like this? How are we going to kill you this time, Harry? Yeah. All right. So we'll just, we'll just leave it with a pat on the back. It just, yeah, well well done, Harry. You tried. It, it didn't quite work, but you should be proud of what you did achieve, even if it wasn't a complete success. Maybe she says something to the effect of, you know, when we get home, not if, I know that you're going to play an integral part and an integral role in actually getting us there or something yeah. like that. And she'll submit him for a Cochrane Medal of Honor. Sounds good to for me. For a little bit of threshold throwback okay cool we made an episode i think we made threshold infinitely better if i do say so myself (laughs) nice i kind of like that as a uh as an episode title infinitely better (laughs) (laughs) because should we should we do like threshold and then like the little infinity symbol (laughs) no no this is like the prince of star trek voyager episodes it's just the symbol there you go everybody knows what it means Mm. all right Well, thank you so much, guys. We hope that you liked our episode. We hope that you liked Threshold Redux. We hope that you liked Infinitely Better, whatever we want to call it. This was a lot of fun. And this is the first episode of A New Age. This is the dawn of a new show. It's a new chapter. This is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. And so we thank you so much for coming along with us. What we need you to do is go to thenerdparty.com. From there, you can find us anywhere on any social media uh, you can find out our back catalog. Uh, you can check out all of our other shows. We got other Star Trek shows. We got Star Wars shows. We got General Geek Podcasts. We got everything that you can think of. Harry Potter shows. And, yeah. and also, if you want to write us, if you want to contact us, you go to thenerdpuddy.com slash contact. As we said at the beginning of the show, please tell your friends, tell your family, talk about us online. We'd love you for it. Use our handle, join Nerd Party at Twitter. You know what? We really appreciate you guys listening and commenting and talking to us because it shows that you're listening and it shows that you like what we're doing and it really does mean a lot to us. Indeed. So next week, we don't know what specifically we're going to talk about, but we do know what genre we're going to be talking about and what is that, Char? (laughs) Star Wars, right? It is, of course, going to be a little more Star Trek and you know... That whatever incarnation we choose to go into, it's going to get punched. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.